My name is Christy and this is how I GLC. When I was a teenager, a friend of my mother's had invited our family to the glory of Christmas. I had felt like something was always missing. My experience at the concert was like the final puzzle piece that I had been searching for. And that night I made a decision for Christ. This year marks for me actually my 20th consecutive year serving in GOC. My heart can't fully explain the privilege that it is for me to be a part of this show that changed my life forever. And then to be able to pay it forward to people that will be coming for their first time is priceless. I'm forever thankful for being invited and I look for people in my life that I can invite to this life-changing experience because you never know what one ticket, just one ticket can do. It can change a life forever and I'm surely an example of that. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest, welcome to Northridge. If you're at one of our regional campuses, thanks for being at Celine or Grosseal or Brighton. If you're watching around the world somewhere online, thanks. We're, we're in a series called Chapter 29, and it's out of the book of Acts in the Bible. And I, I just have to say this out loud. I love this book. I mean, the book of Acts, it shows us how everything, because Jesus came into this world, everything changed. God was able to write new stories of hope in the lives of his people because of what Jesus had done. And, and in Acts chapter 2, we find that it all really started, this, this huge change, when God once again took up residence in the lives of those people who were his children. In, in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, we find that Mankind, men and women, we were created to live this life with God in us and him being our source for joy and life and meaning and purpose. But when we rebelled against him and sinned against him, we, we lost him in us. And though we kept breathing, we never really got to live and find fullness. But Jesus changed all of that. Jesus made it possible for us to once again have God's spirit dwelling in us so that we could live the life that we were originally designed to live. And, and it all begins again for us in Acts chapter 2. And, and on that day, we find that there were people who knew nothing about God and knew nothing about Jesus who were gathered in Jerusalem. And they were there for this religious festival and they, they knew in theory about this God, but they hadn't yet experienced him in them. They didn't know about Jesus. Many had rejected him, and, and they were all gathered for this, this festival celebration, and, and God's spirit came down, and for the first time since he had been lost in the fall of man, took up residence in the life of God's people. I mean, and it was crazy. It changed everything, but, but there's this verse in Acts chapter 2 where where the people who didn't know Jesus got to share what they experienced in that moment. And it's Acts chapter 2, verse 11. And I, I want you to see what it says because it says so much about what should be happening in our lives. It says, we hear, we, those who don't know Jesus, we who aren't a part of this, this spiritual community, we hear them, those who just experienced this this phenomenal thing of God's spirit indwelling them, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, the word tongues there is languages, and he's not saying some weird things that have never been heard. We, we're hearing the wonders of God declared in our own languages. 
And they'd been gathered from all around the world, and, and they were hearing these wonders of God miraculously because the disciples had never learned all these languages, they, and yet they were speaking the wonders of God in the languages of the people of that day. And there's so much to get from this one verse. And if I'm honest with you, I've for years kind of skipped over the, the poignancy of this one verse. And I just believe it can change us if we'll dig into it together this weekend. The truth that I'm seeing, and I'm going to split it into two parts, but the first part is when God's people are genuinely filled with, with God's spirit, when we really do experience God once again living in us as we were designed to live, when we have him writing new stories of hope in our lives, we can't help but experience the wonders of God and his hope in our lives. You can, you can keep God on the outside of your life and miss his wonder. You can keep God on the outside of his life and, and not experience his work or at least not notice his work in your life. But, but when you experience God taking up residence in you, you can't help but experience his wonder in your life, his, his hope in your life, his touch in your life. And that's what happened to them. In fact, all the way through the book of Acts, story after story is about how, wow, these people were transformed by the touch of Jesus in their life. They, they weren't the same. Once they really experienced God taking up residence in their life, they didn't have to talk about it, though they did. You could see it by the change in their life. Just one verse I'll share with you. It's in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And and you need to know Peter and John were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. They were telling everybody about Jesus and they were being told, you know what we did with Jesus, we're going to do it to you. We'll kill you too. We'll persecute you. We'll ruin your life. You keep talking about this Jesus. And, and they just kept talking about this Jesus. And look what it says in Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, when they saw these people were just... These people who used to run away when trouble came, they used to deny when trouble came, like Peter did. All of a sudden, they're standing. When they saw the courage, the transformed life of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled. They weren't trained. They didn't know everything. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't know the word of God like rabbis did. They were just ordinary people. But when they saw the transformation, they were astonished, and they, they took note of this. These men had been with Jesus. What changed their life is not schooling and education, what they knew and didn't know. What changed their life, and their life was totally transformed, was they had been with Jesus. You can't experience Jesus taking residence into your life and not be changed. And that's what happened to them. In fact, experience God's wonder. When you experience God's touch, it changes you. Now, in their case... Everyone knew that they had been with Jesus by their lives. Not because they said it, but by their lives. And it kind of makes me wonder about me. It kind of makes me wonder about us, if I'm honest. Can the people around us tell that we've been with Jesus? What I've noticed about Christianity these days is that many Christians try and hide it in the workplace, try and hide it in the community, try and hide it in their everyday life because they know the... The world doesn't take so friendly towards the idea of being one of those fanatical Christians, and so we kind of keep it private. But, but it's impossible to keep life transformation private. It's impossible. I mean, everybody knew. You, they couldn't hide it. They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. Look at their life. And I just wonder, can people around us tell we've been with Jesus? They should be able to. Not because we know a bunch more. They were unschooled. But they should be able to tell we've been with Jesus because of what Jesus is doing in us. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 talks about what Jesus does in us when we're filled with his spirit like happened in Acts chapter 2. Look at what it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. If you're really filled with the Spirit, if Jesus is really fully living in you, you, you're going to be a person of love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the things that experiencing God's wonder and hope produces in us. And so I guess my question, if this 
if this talk's going to be of any relevance to me or to you, is are, are you experiencing these things? I mean, have you experienced the wonder of God and his touch in your life to such a degree that who you are on the inside is changing and, and people can't help but notice that, that you've been with Jesus? That's what happened here. I think too often we're really good at talking about it. But all it is is outside talk. It's about what's happening out here. But Christianity isn't about what's happening out here. That's religion. Christianity is about what's happening in here. And that changes our lives. This, this verse... and where those who didn't know Jesus says, we're hearing those who know Jesus who just had this experience, we're hearing them declare the wonders of God in our own languages. I want you to know the second aspect of this truth. When God's people are genuinely filled with God's spirit, I mean, when, when God is writing this new story of hope in the lives of his people, transforming them by his touch, they can't help but share with relevance the wonders of God and his hope. I mean, once, and this is what Acts 2.11 shows me, once, once someone experiences the wonder of God and his hope in their lives and it starts reshaping everything about them, remaking everything about them, rewriting their, the story of their lives, they can't help but share it with absolute relevance and passion with other people. When you experience God's truth, you want to share God's truth. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2. You... In fact, when you really experience the transforming touch that comes with experiencing God's truth, you, you have to tell the story. You want to tell the story. This is what happened to them. Remember Acts 4.13, everybody noticed, oh my gosh, these ordinary unschooled guys, they've been with Jesus. No wonder they've been transformed. And they kept saying, don't speak in this name, don't speak in this name. But seven verses later, look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Peter and John say, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Yeah. You can tell us to stop talking about it all you want. We can't help ourselves. We used to be able to help ourselves. Remember, Peter denied three times, not too long before this. He, he used to be able to help talk about it. He used to be able to escape that. He was a very different person, but when Jesus takes up residence, when, we, when we're not just talking about the wonders of God and when we're not just talking about the promises of God, when we're not just talking about this guy we call Jesus, but we're experiencing the unfolding of all of his promises in our lives, then we can't help but speak about it. I, I'm just curious. I mean, can you avoid speaking about it? I mean, when you go into the workplace, can, can you, like, avoid speaking about Jesus in and, and your family, in your community? I mean, are there a lot of people who I've never really heard you speak Jesus. I'm wondering then if maybe you haven't been truly experiencing the wonder of Jesus in your life. Have you noticed what happens when someone makes a connection on Match.com? Have you noticed? I mean, I found myself a babe. That's guys say that. I don't think the girl says that. You know. I, you know, the girl says, I think I found myself a hunk. And I'm reading the wrong stuff, right? Okay, but you get the idea. You, you make a connection. You, you find the wonder of what you've been looking for, you know? And you have to talk about it. Now, two, three weeks later, I know it's gone. But you know, right at the beginning, you can't help but talk about it. You cannot experience the transforming touch of Jesus in your life and not talk about it. You can't do it. You can't have Jesus living in you and transforming you and moving you and not talk about it. In fact, Jesus said this is what would happen. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's what's happening in Acts 2. And it's not just an Acts 2 experience. It's the same thing that happens today. When, when we trust Jesus, the Spirit takes up residence in us. And the more we give ourselves to Jesus, the more he has of us. And it says, when you receive the power that comes with the Holy Spirit coming into you, you, you will be my witnesses. There's not even a question. You, you're going to talk about it. You won't be able to help but speak about it. And you'll do it wherever you're at. 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I just want you to see this truth because this is really important. Because I think Christianity today is not Christianity at all in many ways. We're talking about Jesus, but we're not experiencing him. We're singing the songs, but we're not being transformed by the truth. And so we can, we can stay in our little holy huddle and talk about it. But when we go out there, we don't talk about it because they don't like it. People didn't like it here either. People didn't buy it here either. They were being threatened with death here, and yet they couldn't help but share it. Why? Because when Jesus transforms you on the inside, you can't help but speak about it. This is the Christianity that changed Rome. This is the Christianity that changed the world. This is the Christianity that, that brings hope to a world, but this isn't the Christianity many of us are living. But we can. We can. It makes me think, and one of the things I love about Northridge, I'm not always there, and all of us aren't always there, but, but we really do have a spiritual community here where people are genuinely experiencing the wonder of God transforming their lives, and, and they can't help but do something about it and share it. This weekend, um, this weekend is uh, the, the Detroit Marathon, and we have people, I mean hundreds of people from Northridge who, many of them used to be like couch potatoes, right? And... And they've been training to run 5Ks who've never run. They've been training to run half marathons, and they've been training to run marathons not to run. They've been training so that they could use that as a means of, of raising funds to help people become free from human trafficking and slavery in our world these days. They, they experience the, the freedom that comes in Christ, and they realize there are some people who aren't free even from slavery in our world. And they said... I can't sit on my couch anymore. I have to go run. And, and what they did is they said, we have to share it. How can we do it in a relevant way? And they said, there's a marathon. Why don't, we, why don't we make this known in Detroit when everyone's focus is on Detroit? And so right, right this weekend, they're running these races with these shirts, declaring this hope, and they're doing it so they can help people find the freedom that they have found, not just from slavery, but from sin, and it's an awesome deal, and I don't know about you, but I'm proud of them. Are you proud of them? I mean, it's fantastic. It's awesome. They're relevantly sharing their hope with the world, and that's what happens. What? And I have to ask, what, what am I doing? What, what are you doing? Have you really experienced the change, or are you just talking about it, you know? Have you really experienced the wonder are you sharing it? Two thoughts I want to give you about this that will kind of take it further. And I think this will really help you, whether you've been here a while or not, better understand what, what Northridge Church is about. I, I got to sit with a, a guy this last week, just this last week, um, who had started coming here two weeks ago, first time. Had been raised religious, but then rejected that and hasn't been a part of that for a long time. And someone invited him into Northridge and came to Northridge and he goes, this place is different, you know? This is different. He said, I came in, it was crazy. And I sat down and I said, what have I gotten myself into kind of a thing? And he said, this whole thing went on. But you know, he said, for the first time I experienced in a church setting an environment that impacted me. I, I could understand what this was about and it was relevant to my life and... It was an amazing thing, and there are reasons for that. And some of us who've been here a long time forget it, and then we get irritated when, when things start changing around here, and others are new, and you go, I, can this even be spiritual? You know, that kind of a deal. And, and these two thoughts might help you understand it. The first is this, and it's all about how if we experience the wonder of Jesus, we'll want to relevantly share it. We'll want to speak the language of hope in the world. You need to know what the language of hope is. The language of hope is that when the truth is communicated in the language of today. That's the language of hope. When we can take the truth, the wonder of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, the, the reality of Jesus transforming touch, and we can communicate it in today's language, that's the language of hope because that's when people can connect it. And there are two parts of that, as you can see. First, if we don't communicate truth, there is no hope available in this world. It's the truth that changes people's lives. And one of the things that really bothers me is that many Christians are starting to change God's truth to make their message more acceptable in the world. The minute you change God's truth, 
Even if the world accepts your message, your message is worthless. Because it's the truth that brings hope. It's the truth that can change lives, whether you like that truth or not. Look at Romans 1.16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's the truth of Christ, the good news of the truth of Jesus. And I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God that brings salvation, transformation to everyone who believes, everyone, to the Jew, to the Gentile, to everyone. If there's no truth, there's no hope. And it saddens me that in many spiritual environments today, they're, they're communicating messages that are absence of God's truth. They're not offering any more hope than anyone else. But then there are those environments that are really communicating God's truth, committed to God's truth, want to stand on God's truth, but, but they're not communicating hope either because they're communicating God's truth in a way people can't even understand it. I grew up in this kind of environment, a Christian religious environment, where I just didn't get it. I didn't get the, the secret codes, the secret handshakes, the secret messages. I didn't, I didn't understand the language at all. And they were communicating truth. I just didn't get it. So I rejected the whole thing. If, if there's no truth, there's no hope. But if, if we can't understand the truth, if it's not in the language of the day, then there's no hope. I, I, this is where I get to show you a video that I've been so excited about showing you. Because there's this, there's this truth that transformed the world when it was given. And we found it being taught on, on video. And... And I was just excited I wanted to share it with you because there's nothing I want more for you than to be transformed by his truth. And so, let me just shut up and watch. Μακάρι η πτωχή το πνεύματι ότι αυτόν εστίν η βασιλεία των ουρανών. Μακάρι η πενθύνης ότι αυτή παρακολουθεί. That, I'm serious, that's the greatest truth that's ever been taught on this planet. Wasn't it life changing? Oh, you don't know Greek? You don't know Greek? What's wrong with you? I mean, that was beautiful. Okay. By the way, before I go on, I mean, didn't that remind you of the Swedish chef on the Muppets? I mean, <laughs> just to prove it to you, watch. The first step of the yeah, that's awesome. You can stop, but one guy speaking Greek, the Swedish chef sounds like speaking Greek. Two different things, but it sounded like it to me. But so I, I know that most of you don't know Greek. So even though that's the greatest truth that can change your life, I, I, I asked our video team to put subtitles to it so that you can really be impacted by it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You don't know Japanese? That was the Sermon on the Mount and the visual you had was where it was actually given right by the Sea of Galilee. It's the truth that Jesus taught that changed humanity forever. And yet, it doesn't help you at all if you can't understand it. And yet, this is what is going on in, in churches all around the world. And I love the church, and I love Christians, but I'm telling you, many of us don't get it if we, if we don't communicate the truth in a language of today that people can understand, then, then there's no hope. This is why the Holy Spirit, in that moment, authored the ability for those people to speak the languages of those that were present because the truth wasn't enough. They needed to hear the truth in a language that they could understand. And, and in Acts 2, it was supernatural because they had never studied those languages and yet they were speaking those languages. And why is that? Why did God do this miracle? Because that was the moment it had to be communicated. They, they, they didn't have time to go take a Rosetta Stone course and come back. In fact, I don't think there was Rosetta Stone there, was there? I, they, and so, because Jesus needed to be communicated in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, speak in the language of the day, and they heard the wonders of God in their languages. But, but we're supposed to do the same thing. Of course, he doesn't have to do it miraculously. We can 
do Rosetta Stone. We can learn the languages of today, and, and when we do the hard work of that, what we can do is we can communicate God's truth in the language of the day, and that's what the Holy Spirit is teaching here. It's not enough to experience the wonders of God and to share the wonders of God. We have to share the wonders of God in the language of today, and, and that's not happening in a lot of places. In fact, I just want you to see how it was done with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. It says, he's saying, I'm free and belong to no one. And yet here's what I've done. I've made myself a slave responsible to everyone. And here's why I do it. I do it so I can win as many as possible, so I can share the hope and the wonders of God with as many people as possible. And then he explains what he means. He's, he's going to share in the language of people the wonders of God. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. I, I learned their language. I knew their culture. And I, I related God's wonders to them in a way they could understand. To those not having the law, I did the same thing. I became like one not having the law. To the weak, I be, did the same thing. I became like the weak. In fact, here's what he says. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the truth, for the gospel that I may share in its blessing. I want to share the hope of Jesus, but to do it, I have to share it in a language that people can understand. And that's what we live for here at Northridge. We're not, we're not committed to the language of our culture five years ago. We're committed to the language of our culture today, not because our culture is important, not because the language is valuable, but because the truth is so valuable, we have to communicate it in a way people can understand. And, and we have people getting upset all the time around here. Oh, I like the music the way it used to be. Yeah, well, I liked Leave it to Beaver. It's no longer relevant. If you're living for you, then go to a church that's all about you, but we're living for Jesus, and he wants us to share his hope with the rest of the world. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus lived and communicated God's truth in the language of the day. He wasn't a cultural freak or oddity. He, he dressed like those in his culture. That wasn't the dress of heaven. And he spoke in the language of those in his culture. That wasn't the language of heaven. And he listened to the music of his culture. And that wasn't the music of heaven. The music of heaven, you need to know, is rock and roll. <laughs> I don't know that for sure, but I do know this. The, the, the music of hell is country. That's all I can tell you. I, I don't know. But here's the thing. The same is true with us and explains everything we do. I mean, why do we consistently change music? And we did a throwback weekend a couple of weeks ago where we did worship songs from about 10 years ago. And you wouldn't believe the letters we got and the people came, that's awesome, that's worship as it was meant to be. <laughs> really? Jesus didn't worship that way? And I get it that we love experiences we had. Nostalgia is wonderful. We want to throw it in there somewhere. But our job is to take the truth that we're experiencing that's transforming our lives and share it with people in the language of this day. And we're committed that to around here. And I know a lot of churches are committed to doing church the way people who give there would like it or the people who tend there would like it or the way old people would like it. But Jesus died on the cross not to make us comfortable with the culture, but he died on the cross so we could experience the wonders of God and share them with the world. And that's what we want to do. Now, there's a second thought that'll help you to understand this. And and that's the fact that the language of hope, which is truth communicated language of the day, the language of hope is not the natural language of religion. It's just not. You, you look at the religious people in Jesus' day, and their language wasn't one of hope. And you look at religion today, and it's not a language of hope. In fact, it's causing more problems than solving problems, right? It just is. I rejected God because of the language of religion. But then when I heard the language of hope, it transformed me. And that's what our world needs. You know what the language of, of religion is? The natural language of religion is tradition. And this explains why so many churches and so many Christians, as wonderful as they can be, tend to be irrelevant to those who need the hope of Jesus today. 
The majority of people want nothing to do with a church because the church they once experienced is absolutely irrelevant to them. Well, the church might be, but Jesus isn't. And it's about time we become a church, right, that can take the wonders of God and make sense out of them for people today, and that's what we exist for. It's like the difference between a guy named Levi in the Bible who was a brand new believer. He's also known as Matthew. In fact, he wrote a gospel, the Gospel of Matthew. And, and the difference between him and the Pharisees who were fossilized in their religion, you know, what a fossil is. And look at this story in Luke chapter 5. The story kind of tells it all. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, and he was sitting at his tax booth. He was a tax collector, and in this day, you just need to know, tax collectors were considered the worst of the worst. Well, it was a lot like today. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> no, they were really considered despicable people because they extorted from people. They were really bad, so to be a sinner was to be a tax collector and vice versa, and, and this guy was the worst of the worst, and, and Jesus went to him and said, follow me. And this guy got up and left everything and followed him, left everything. He was transformed. He experienced the wonders of God. And when you experience the wonders of God and, and the hope of Jesus in your life, what, what do you have to do? You can't help but speak about it. You can't help it. Now, he did it in a real weird way. It's not like he invited him to synagogue or anything. Look at, look at what he did. Then Levi had a huge party, a great banquet. But this time it wasn't for, you know... Anything but Jesus. And so he said, I'm going, to invite a, I'm going to invite all my friends, and I'm going to have a party, and Jesus, I want you to be there because you've changed my life, and you can change their life, and I want everybody to know that you're the hope of the world, and so I'm going to throw a party, invite my friends, and you're going to be there, and it's going to change everything. It's awesome. Isn't that a great idea? I mean, it's a great idea. And by the way, look what it says. It's, it's interesting. It says, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. The others is like the sinner part. How come it was all tax collectors and sinners? Because who do tax collectors hang out with? It's all they know. And so that he invited all the, the messed up people like himself, and they came to his party. And then, but look what the religious people did, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were committed to tradition and not truth, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Of course they complained. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, because it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'll tell you why I hang out with the broken people, because it's the broken people that need to be healed. I'll tell you why I hang out with the despicable people, because it's the despicable people that need to be redeemed. I'll tell you why I hang out with people lost in darkness, because it's the people in darkness who need light. That's why I do it. But the religious people didn't care. They wanted their comfortable little environments, you know? They were committed to tradition, not truth. And it's horrible. I, I just want you to realize that this goes on today. Anytime you do something a little bit different to reach the people that Jesus hung on that cross for and died for, the people in the holy huddle get all upset. And I just need to warn you, if that's you, you're, I'm going to make you mad all the time. <laughs> we, we, we lose people at Northridge all the time because of tradition. and They write me letters and say, I can't believe you don't use the organ. I know, Jesus loved the organ. Wait a minute, Jesus didn't have the organ. If Jesus loved the organ so much, wouldn't he have been born after it was invented instead of before? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the organ, but there's nothing right about it either. <laughs> we lose people because of tradition all the time. It's like, you're not singing the worship songs from 10 years ago. You're going to hell. Yeah, because the worship songs 10 years ago are the only ones that God loves. We lose people because of tradition all the time, but know this, we're willing to lose traditional people all the time in order to reach the sick that Jesus loves and died for. And that's what we want to be as a church. You see, this... 
The book of Acts is the story of what God was doing in and through his people back then, but it's not a story that stopped back then. It's a story that continues today. We're still living the story. Chapter 29 is being written right now. Do you want to be one of the Pharisees or do you want to be like Levi? Are you experiencing the wonders of God and wanting to share them in a way that people today can understand or don't you care? You see the difference here? This is... For me, this is so convicting and so life-changing. Here's the application I want to give you. If, if we genuinely desire to know God's hope, I mean, if you're someone that's just putting in your time for religion, hoping that Jesus will grant you your three wishes, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you really want God's hope, there's some things that you really need to weave into your life. The first is you, you have to personally experience the wonders of God. You have to personally experience the wonders of God, not just talk about them, not just know others who have, but you need to personally experience the wonders of God. And I've, I've got good news for you. You can experience the wonders of God. You. This isn't for a special few. This is for you. But, but you have to seek God. Look at Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and, and you'll literally find me when you seek me with all your heart. I bet you you're finding exactly what you're seeking with all your heart. The problem is it's very seldom the wonders of God. And for those of you who are already Christ followers, I believe there can be moments in your past where you were seeking God with all your heart and you were experiencing his wonders and you couldn't help but talk about it. But, but over time... You've just gotten used to it. So you're living the formula. You're no longer experiencing each day the wonders of God. And so you're no longer compelled to talk about it each day. And I'm telling you, it's time that people like you and me start seeking God with all of our heart again. Because if we experience God's wonders today, we'll share God's wonders today. I don't want to just have old stories about what God once did in my life. I want to have new stories that God is writing in my life, don't you? But to get there, I have to be seeking him today, are you, with all your heart? I want you to leave here today saying, I want to experience his wonders today. I want him writing new stories today, and I want to be sharing those stories today. I want people to know that I've been with Jesus. Because if that happens to us, the world will change, right? Some of you are here and you've never even experienced Jesus in you. And I'm going to tell you, you can. He can change you and take the guilt and the shame and the brokenness and the sin away and give you new life. But you have to call on him. Look at Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Why don't you call? Just before I give you the last couple of principles, would you bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And as we bow in a word of prayer, you at our regional campuses, if you'd bow as well, and if you're watching somewhere around the world, just in, honor this moment. And if you're just ready, just in your heart, take my words and make them your words to God. Just say, Jesus, I... I want to experience your wonder in my life, your hope in my life. I don't deserve it. I've sinned against you. I've left you out of my life. But right now, I'm trusting your death on the cross to forgive me and your resurrection to give me new life. Help me to experience the wonder of your touch. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed with me, just before I give you the next couple of principles, if you just pray with me, let me know, would you? I, we put together a letter about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. And why do we do this? Because we don't want to lead you to Jesus and then let you alone. We, we want to lead you to Jesus and then help you take a next step. And so this is for you. Uh, in your programs, if you're in one of our services, just take out the connection card and fill it out. And on the bottom, there are two statements. Check the one that's appropriate to you and then there are boxes at every exit in all of our campuses and just put it there and we'll send you the letter. And if you're watching online, hit the what next button and we'll do the same exact thing for you. 
But it doesn't stop here. If we really want to experience Jesus' hope, then, then once we personally experience the wonders of God and his hope in our lives, then we have to relevantly share the wonders of God. Because if we genuinely are experiencing his wonder, we won't be able to help but share it. We can't keep quiet. Look what 1 Peter 3.15 says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. I don't know if you see what that's saying, but it's saying, look, look at, let Jesus be Lord in your life. Let him take up fullness in you. But you better be ready to give an answer. Because people are going to see the transformation in you. They're going to notice that you're different, that you've been with Jesus, and they're going to have questions. And you need to be ready to give an answer for why you have that hope. Because you see, when you really are experiencing his touch in your life, people notice. In fact, can I say this? And this is going to be challenging. It is for me. It probably will be for you. If people aren't asking questions about your life, maybe you should start asking questions about how you're living. Our lives shouldn't be so ordinary that no one notices. Is anyone noticing? People noticed the transformation in the lives of the early disciples. And remember, they, they weren't schooled. They were just ordinary people. You go, I don't know enough. How do I share? I don't know. And I don't know the whole Bible. I, I can't give a talk like you can. But they, nor could they. Nor could I when I first came to Jesus. That's not the point. It's not what they knew, it's who they knew. It's not how much they knew, it's what they experienced. And, and so their lives were the language of hope, and the same needs to be true of us. We don't have to know everything, we just have to share what we've been experiencing, the wonder of God. And I believe the reason we don't share the wonder of God is because we're not experiencing it. But if we are, we can't help it. And, and we can even... We can even just invite people to where we're experiencing the hope. Some of you are, are experiencing hope because you've come in here and you're understanding it for the first time. Well, get excited enough about it to invite other people to come in and experience the same thing. And we saw a video earlier from Christy Kurtz. Christy's one of our primary worship leaders, and Christy Kurtz is just an amazing individual, and she came to Jesus because someone invited her to the glory of Christmas, which is coming soon that we're selling tickets for, right? And her life was transformed. And for 20 years now, she's been investing in leading worship here and being a part of the glory of Christmas, inviting others in. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you love to be the person that had invited her to the GOC where she came to Jesus? Talk about some credibility. Get to heaven and go, what did you ever do? I invited Christy Kurtz. <laughs> and Jesus is going to go, good job. <laughs> There's a Christy Kurtz in your life somewhere. And if you're really experiencing the wonder of God, won't you want to share? Won't you want to invite? Of course you would. And then finally, I, I want you to know, we have to patiently trust God with the results if we really desire God's hope, then we have to patiently trust God with his results. We have to experience the wonders and keep experiencing them. We have to share relevantly the wonders and keep sharing them. But we have to patiently trust God with the results because here's what you need to know. It was true back then and it's true today. Just because you're experiencing the wonders and relevantly sharing the wonders doesn't mean that everybody's going to buy it. In fact, the majority then and the majority now will reject it. Do you think it was easier to talk about Jesus then? Yeah, it was easier to talk about Jesus then and there when they were killing you for it than it is now when they just might make fun of you a little bit. But they got made fun of back then too. In the story of Acts 2 where Jesus took up residence and they started declaring the wonders of God in the language of people that day, look what happened in verse 13 of Acts chapter 2. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. These people are drunk. Too much wine. Takes me back 
to my high school days, Boone's Farm. <laughs> Anyone remember that? The only thing I could afford, but it was good. You know, all right. <laughs> they were made fun of as if they were drunk. Realize this, there will always be those who don't understand the work of God. There will always be those who aren't experiencing the wonder of God who don't understand those who are experiencing the wonder of God. But some will accept it. And their lives will be forever changed. Look what happens just a couple verses later. Acts 2.47 And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so though many reject some accepted and their lives were forever transformed. So you know what our responsibility is? Our responsibility is to keep experiencing the wonders of God and his hope, to keep sharing relevantly the wonders of God and his hope, and then patiently trust God with the results. Though many will reject him and us, some will accept, and that's where the world changes one life at a time. I want you to realize there will always be those who don't understand the work of God, but it's not an excuse for us to stop sharing. I have to tell you what I do as a pastor. It's very, very difficult. Because for me to be authentic and for me to be relevant, for me to, to be honest, each week I have to be experiencing the wonders of God or else what I'm sharing is manufactured and not real. And I'm telling you, it's just as much work for me to experience the wonder of God as it is for you. And so it's like, God, I just need to experience you, or how am I going to share you? And the truth is, it's really hard sometimes to get up and share. Because I know I live in a world where most people don't want to hear it, to be honest. They want cute little thing said, they don't want God's truth, they want to hear what they want to hear, and they want to hear it in a way that makes them feel better about themselves and all that stuff, but here's the thing, I'm experiencing the wonders of God, and I need to keep sharing them no matter how difficult it is, because though most people don't want to hear it, every single person needs to hear it, and though many will reject it, and I've been rejected by just so many people, even people who used to come here, but so many reject it, some accept it. And in heaven, that's all that will matter. And can I just tell you, this isn't just for pastors, this thing, you know. This is for all Christians, because all Christians experience the wonder if they're true Christians. And when they experience the wonder, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to share it. And when they share it, what will happen? Some will reject. It's very hard. But some will accept. This is for all of us. And this is why I've made my life verse. It's been my life verse for like 30 years. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep experiencing the wonder. Keep sharing the wonder. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is never without impact. Here's the conclusion. Here's what we can always know. As we continue to experience the wonders of God and his hope in our lives, and as we continue to share them with others, it will always matter. It will always bring him pleasure. And it will always have impact. And so, my encouragement to you is to become a person who speaks the language of hope. And let's change our world by the hope of Jesus. And if we do, we'll love the world we get. And just before you get out of here, I want to encourage you, this, this coming Wednesday, um, we do it about once a month, we have a thing called New Life. And we're putting together great worship and a great talk that will really help you advance in your spiritual life. And, and if you've got Wednesday night, why don't you come at 7 o'clock? And we would love to have you worshiping with us. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.